Do you ever pick your nose? Constantly. Really? Oh, yeah, all the time. What's your technique? What's my technique? (laughs) Yeah, like, do you go way deep and, like, flick? Like, how do you dispose, Um, really? I'm definitely a flicker. I don't eat them or anything. (laughs) You can say you eat them. Yeah, I I constantly eat my boogers. Yep, yep, yep. I don't wear makeup. This is, yeah, this is just what my face looks like. All the time, I know, right? You're like, oh my God, she's so brave. I know, I know, it's fine. Not all heroes wear makeup, you know? Someone yelled up at me one time. They were like, Alicia Keys doesn't wear makeup. I was like, cool, Alicia Keys isn't an unfamous, almost 40-year-old white lady. (laughs) Fuck off, this is brave, you know? And we're back. We are back. Hello and welcome. Uh, my name is Dan O. This is Comedian Ordinaire, the world's most okay podcast, where I talk about my journey through stand-up comedy here in the Denver scene. I interview some of the comedians I'm meeting along the way, and they are dishing out advice left and right. Like, if you ever thought about wanting to be a comedian or if you're just interested in stand-up comedy as a thing, these people have so much things to say about that thing. Um, And that's kind of what this is. You know, that's what this is. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can first and foremost tell a friend. Um, But I guess in order to do that, you need a friend. So if you don't have a friend, I well, I'm not offering. I'm not going to. I don't want to be your friend, but you need to get one. And once you have their trust, you know, once you hang out a couple of times and you talk about things, um, you know, that you two have in common, that's, that's the moment that you're like, Hey, by the way, I listened to Dano of the comedian ordinaire podcast. And, uh, and hopefully you two still hang out after you drop that bomb. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like coming out to your friend. You know, like you have a closeted secret. You're like, I listen to an independent podcast. I don't know how I, like, I don't know how they're going to take it. You just got to say it, man. You just got to say it. So do that. That's how you support this podcast. I mean, there's a million ways to do it. You know, if you really, like, if you really want to, if you actually really want to support this podcast, If you're like, hey, I'm going to support him, I just don't know how, here is how you can do it. You can start an ad campaign on Facebook. I don't know what the things are selling for, but just, I don't know, put in like $75. Um, You know, message me on Facebook and I'll send you a thing that you can share and uh, and, and just spread it across the internet like... um, like, what's something that spreads across the internet? What is that called? Is that viral? That's what that is when people say that? So you can do that if you really want to support it. You can also follow the page on Instagram. 
So there's that. Uh, the Instagram handle is at comedian.ordinaire. That dot is not a word, by the way. Someone was like, I tried I tried looking and I couldn't find it because I wrote dot. It's not a dot. It's a period. Comedian period. And don't spell period out. The handle will be in the description. Um, but those are the ways that you can follow it. Anyways, today we have a very special guest, Mandy Kay. Mandy Kay is actually the first female comedian guest that we've gotten to be a part of this. And I don't know who that says more about. I don't know if that says more about me or what but whatever i'm happy about it um and this is actually this is just a really special one to me you know mandy was just so welcoming she answered literally everything that i asked and she she dropped a lot of knowledge man she's a host of her very own open mic uh which we talk about a little bit she's just you know in the four years that she's been doing it she has seen a lot and you know, those are the types of brains that I like to pick. You know, we're talking about picking things here early on, here in the first five minutes. But uh, she she was just uh, just spewed knowledge. And I'm just very grateful that, you know, I get to meet all these nice people. I know I say that every week, but I, I genuinely mean it. It was awesome. You know, she drove like 45 minutes to a library room. And we sat there and people were kind of looking at us, I think. And maybe it was awkward, but she was game. She didn't give a hell. Give a hell? Do people give hells? I'm this far into it, and I'm not re-recording this. So, yeah, she didn't give a hell, man. And uh, and we just got this great interview out of it. So I hope you enjoy it. Anyways, without further ado. Mandy has been performing stand-up comedy for almost four years now. She's a host of her very own open mic. That is Long Tucky Spirits in Longmont every Thursday night. You can also find her at the Chiba Hut. Um, and she's a one uh, co-host of the Three Mandys podcast. Mandy, nice. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. We've been talking on Facebook for almost 20 minutes. We have. Collectively. <laughs> yes. So it's nice to put a face to the text. Um, first of all, how are you? I'm good. All right. Thanks. I'm also good. Yeah. It was a lovely drive here. Yeah. It's very Colorado-y. You drive a lot, don't you? I drive a ton. Yeah. Why doesn't it bother you? Or does it? Um, It doesn't. I like driving. I like listening to podcasts and yeah. just being in my car. Who do you listen to, or what do you listen to? Um, I listen to the Three Mandys. Sure, yeah, you got to. <laughs> I listen to several of your episodes. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, I kind of hit back and forth. I like uh, Nate Earl and Michael Jeffries have a new podcast that's out that's really funny. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah I like I to listen to people that I know. Oh. Um, Dusty Slay, if you're ever okay. looking for um, like a professional working comedian that gives advice to younger comedians. Nice. Yeah. It's a, we're having a good time podcast. He's, it's really good. He's okay. got a 10 part series on how to become a professional comedian. Wow. Yeah. That I'll listen to. And then I'll listen to, I'll wait a, like a few months and then I'll listen to him again and kind of see nice. where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm going to go back and listen to that. Um, what kind of kid were you growing up, Mandy? Kind of kid. Um, I was shy. Mm-hmm. Very shy. Um, I was very good. You were a good kid. Yeah, like, like a good student. Oh yeah, A's and B's. Did whatever my parents or teachers told me to do. If I did something wrong, like I would confess. Yeah. Very very soon. Right. Yeah. I was kind of a nervous like. I was always like, when I was very like wondering what people were thinking of me. I didn't want to piss right. anybody off. Or was, were you funny? No, I don't think so. Um, no. My family says so, that I was always being crazy or doing something. But Yeah, I don't... does that count? Because my family says I'm funny. But... Yeah, 
Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I don't know that I was like funny in the formal sense of funny, but yeah. Did comedy interest you as a kid? Not really. I grew up in a small military town in mm -hmm. eastern North Carolina. North Carolina? Yes. Uh -huh. And um, there were no theaters, no, no, no arts, really. Mm -hmm. um, it was a military town, so there was a lot of like pawn shops, car dealerships. Is that what you did for fun? Go to pawn shops? Uh, we'd go to the Walmart. Ah. Uh, we would go to the Dunkin' Donuts. Nice. Um, I was in high school, I was in uh, more clubs than you. I mean, I started the Spirit Club. That's the kind of person oh, that I was. FBLA. Like, wow. Yeah, I was. It was gross. What was your mascot in high school? Uh, the Vikings. Go Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so you weren't interested in like comedians or? No. No. Mm -mm. I, uh, I watched a lot of sitcoms, uh -huh. like 30 minute wrap it up situational comedies. I liked those Yeah. a lot. Um, I used to watch old black and white sitcoms a lot. Like um, I Love Lucy? Or yeah, I Love Lucy, Dobie Gillis, The Patty Duke Show, I really liked. Golden Girls? Um, I would watch The Golden Girls, yeah. But um, I was always interested in, I liked the whole, in 30 minutes, they had a problem, and now they don't, and it's yeah. wrapped up, and yeah. they ate dinner together. and <laughs> like 100%. Yeah, I was really intrigued by all of that. I thought that was pretty, like, Full House, I got into Full House pretty serious. <laughs> um, I really had a huge crush on like Danny Tanner. Nice. I mean, yeah. who didn't? Goodness mm. gracious, who yeah. didn't? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, how how did you get interested in comedy at all as um, somebody that's you know participating in all these clubs in high school? Yeah, right. Uh, I was I worked for a third party logistics company. Um, I did accounting, accounts receivable, stuff like that. Okay. And um, I get bored a lot with things. So, like, I had taken some guitar lessons. I had taken acting classes. Um, I wrote poetry. Uh, I wrote plays. Was this right out of high school? Um, this was just every other year or so. I would start mm. something new and not really follow it through. And uh -huh. um, just sort of, just because I was bored. Yeah. And then... Um, I was in a history class. I took a history class at the community college and I made a friend there and she was like, oh my gosh, my cousin took these improv classes and she won't shut up about it. And I was like, a what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I took an improv class and that was it. That was the first time I'd ever performed or I took a drop-in class for $10 and then I did level one through five. And then within probably two years, I was a member of the company Whoa. and I was performing improv like at least three or four times a month to sold out audiences and yeah you know it was like a hundred person <laughs> audience sold out like, did that make you nervous no i loved improv oh man that was like learning improv and performing was i mean it was so new and so fun and yeah i i just loved it and it was theater-based improv so you weren't necessarily trying to be funny or just trying to keep the scene going but if you're a funny person like yeah. And it's a it's a comedy improv club, so they recruit people that are funny, uh -huh. um, and that's when I kind of realized that I could be funny on stage. And really, yeah. I mean, I guess you took up acting too, so maybe you weren't like you didn't have that stage fright or anything like that. Um, I wasn't. I, I'm I'm one of those people. Like I said, I was very as a kid, and even now, like when you tell me to do something, yeah. then I get I have permission to do it. You know, uh -huh. so when my teacher was like, "Don't look at the audience, don't pay attention to the audience," I didn't. 
you know like I didn't really yeah because like a lot of improv like you're not supposed to look at the audience you're supposed to pretend they're not there at all what do you so look at there's the other people the your partner your scene partner uh, you're so up in their face like because okay. you don't know what they're gonna say uh-huh. <laughs> so improv is listening and reacting and that's it like a lot of people want to make it real complicated but right it's listening and reacting you gotta be a good listener yeah yeah and you have to a lot of stand-ups don't like it because um, you got to bow down a lot and let other people, you know, you got to throw the softball and let other people hit it. That's and right. Stand-ups don't like that. Because <laughs> they want to go straight for it. Yeah, they, they want to go laugh. straight for the joke, you know, even if it's not in the context of the scene or, you know, like, oh, man, we're in Hawaii. No, we're not. It's cold out here. Ah, everybody laughs. <laughs> and you just murdered the scene and everything. Like, I don't know. I, I enjoyed that part of it, though. But my, my teacher was straight up, like, the audience isn't there. Like, don't. This is what you need to do. And I... I'm very good at classes, <laughs> and wow. yeah, I just did exactly what they told me to do, and I got better. And it worked out. Mm-hmm. What was your troop name, by the way? Oh my gosh, I was in probably seven or eight different. Are they all like pun based? Oh no, oh, no, no, no. A lot okay. of them were. Um, we would generate them during scenes, or nice. you know, I was in permanent record for a while. That was um, me and my ex-husband, and that was two-person improv, and we would go for thirty minutes, just two people. Is that where you met him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I met him at the, we met doing improv. Wow. Yeah, he had done improv and stand-up like before, but then I went in and I started doing improv and that's how we met. Was he funny? Mm -hmm. He's still funny, yeah. He's still funny? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) He's absolutely funny. Yeah, good for him. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were doing that for about three years, right, before stand-up comedy? I started improv in 2013. Mm -hmm. I started stand-up in 2016. Right. It's my first set ever. And before we started recording, you said that you and your ex-husband had bought an RV and traveled mm-hmm. across the country? Yeah, we. that's why I started stand-up, because um, we started traveling, and we sold all our stuff, started traveling in the RV, and then I was used to at least a show a week doing improv, and right. then we got on the road, and you know, it was like a month before I had done anything and I was like I have to get on a stage like I can't really yeah to fix yeah I was like this sucks (laughs) you know like once you hear that laughter yeah and it's in your blood like you can't you never forget it yeah and I had I had no interest in stand-up like I did not want to do stand-up I wanted to find an improv troupe somewhere or what was the goal at that point then did you just want to like um I just wanted to travel and enjoy my life there was really no goal honestly I always said my life's motto I'm like if I'm going to do nothing with my life, I want to do nothing in a lot of different places. That's beautiful. <laughs> you know, because I mean, at the end of the day, we're all going to turn to dust. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So why put pressure on yourself? <laughs> so did your husband, was he the one that talked, your ex-husband, did mm-hmm. he talk you into doing stand-up then? How did that? No, he didn't like talk me into doing it, but like he did it. Like he would go to the open mics and, you know, mm-hmm. and he was like, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't don't and like anybody any stand-up comedian knows that talking to someone who wants to do stand-up who isn't doing it is probably one of the most annoying people in the world yeah (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like I I always am like nicer to those people because I was one of those people that was like should I do it should I not do it you know and he was like it literally doesn't matter like do it or don't you know so how did you finally like pull the trigger I just I decided there was an open mic um, in Maine uh, we went to Maine first and in there was Portland? an open mic in Portland mm-hmm. okay. so I started and um, Ian Stewart in Portland uh, we had met him 
during a visit there because Apples was doing stand-up or whatever. Um, and uh, we went with him to an open mic, and I did my first set. Like, he was there, and it was one of those things where I was just with a lot of comedians, and I was like, if I don't, if I don't do this... You feel left out a little yeah, bit? I'm not, I'm not a part of the team, and I know uh, I'm funny, you know? Because uh-huh. I'm like, you can't look at someone and be like, well, back in the South, I was real funny. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do audiences and stuff, like... No, no, it makes right. you sound like an idiot. So, like, eventually you have to just bite the bullet and do Did it. Did you write jokes before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I you had did. written, I write all the time. Yeah. You write jokes for what? For improv? And then you just took them no, to No, I never write jokes for improv. I would just write in general, like, funny stories and poems and shit. Okay. And, like, I had seen enough stand-up to where I kind of knew, like, and I talk yeah. in jokes. That's how I've always talked. Yeah, like, I get that vibe from you. Yeah, yeah, like I just keep talking until someone smiles. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. You know, I walked up there and I was just so unapologetically myself and just talked oh, wow. about me and yeah, like talked about my name and. Like, did it go well the yeah. first time? Yeah. And you weren't nervous going up. Oh, I was time. crazy nervous. I was Why? crazy nervous. How are you not nervous for improv in front of a hundred people? Well, because I had taken improv classes and they taught me how to do it. You know, it, I always say improv is a nice warm hug and everyone's your friend and stand up is a quick punch in the throat. Like, really? yeah, cause it's just you up there. And if right. you fail, like with my improv team, I have some pretty nasty improv bombs, sure. you know, where like it was, I mean, I've never heard people not laugh for that long, you know, wow. like it was a lot, you know? Yeah. So when I started stand up, like I was already ready for that. I was always already ready to fail. How many people did you perform in front of for the first time? The first time it was probably about it was a regular open mic, so um, like but 10, it was 20. yeah it was a small room. It was probably I would say twenty to thirty people. It wasn't, and mm-hmm. I mean that was people just like going in and out. It wasn't like a, it, it was kind of it was a bar. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a theater or anything. Everyone was sitting around just shooting the shit, but it was cool. It was and fun. it kind of went well. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. remember any jokes from that first oh, set? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a really bad haircut at the time. Like okay. it, was re- it was cut really short, and my hair is really curly. Uh-huh. So I had to wear this pink headband. It's the only thing I had, and I'm not like a girl in any sense of the word. Uh-huh. So I put this headband on, and um, there was a mirror behind the stage. And when I walked up, I saw myself. And I was like, I can't believe I'm up here looking like a retired figure skater. <laughs> and everyone started laughing at that just off the jump. And I yeah. was I was so surprised that they even laughed at that because I was like, I'm just, I'm just fucking yeah. around. I didn't do any jokes yet. And um, I talked about my name because my name's just Mandy. It's not Amanda. Sure. Usually people think that. And yeah. um, I took my mom to a Barry Manilow concert because that's what I'm named after. I don't know if you know Barry Manilow. Is that right? So I took her to a Barry Manilow concert, and I my whole set was about. The Barry Manilow concert and how like just it was ridiculous and how long did you go up for? Um, I was probably up there for four minutes. Okay. Ish, but nice. I mean it was basically a bunch of just me telling stories. There was no like real right. <laughs> like setup punch. I'm right. just gonna go right. Yeah. Okay. Like I know better now. I'm a better writer now, and yeah. I don't do any of those jokes anymore. Do you think three years of improv? prepared you in any way for that first time um yes and no uh i think that uh improv i'm trying to get away from it a little bit now because i want to be more structured and i want Mm -hmm. to 
I don't know. Like with improv, you don't, you're not paying attention to the audience. With stand up, you kind of need to. You absolutely have to, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to read them. Yeah. So, in like crowd work and stuff is kind of hard for me. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I've, and I've done it before where I've yelled at people in the audience. I'm like, don't talk to me. I'm trying to be oh. funny, <laughs> you know, which always gets a laugh either way. Sure. You know, but yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know that it helped, but it definitely made me more comfortable. Did you tell your friends right away? Like, I know that when I did stand-up for the first time, I kind of kept it a secret for a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if you were like that at all. Or... I was in Maine, so, and I didn't know anybody. Really? Like, it was just me and Max husband, so I didn't have any friends there. Nothing, <laughs> So really. I didn't know anybody, you know. I, and I love stand-up for that because um, you instantly have friends wherever you go, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, one, like, the second I went up on that stage, even after my first set, I had three or four friends by the end of the night. Wow. Which I think stand-up's amazing for that because you're going up there and you're being so vulnerable. And people, Are you still shy? Like, you were shy as a kid. Super shy as a kid. No, I'm not shy anymore. You're not shy anymore because mm-hmm. I don't get that vibe at No, all. age has definitely made me unshy and traveling like uh, I mean uh, when you're traveling and it's just you and another person and you have to make it work you can't be shy no you need I mean if you need something or you have yeah. a question about where you're at or uh-huh. you know like, I think I'm still a little bit shy like at open mics mm-hmm. specifically I don't it's like half the game they say to go and talk to other comedians yeah and that's one of the hardest things for me because when I get off a stage, I have this anxiety and adrenaline kind of, and right. can't look at anybody in the eye. I don't want to talk to anybody. When you get off stage? When I get off stage. See, I find it easier to talk to comedians when I after my set. Mm. I think that is the especially if you're going into like a new open mic or something. Like mm-hmm. it's really hard to walk up to just a group of people that don't know you, right? Don't know your vibe, don't know your shit. Yeah. But I feel like after my set, then. People will come up to me and be like, this was funny or that was funny. And then mm. I have something to talk to them about. Yeah. You know, other than just... Maybe it's my face. Maybe I'm really <laughs> face. I'll try to fix it. Hopefully with age. You, you can, you'll fix it. Yeah. I'll fix you're, it. You'll get older. It's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. <laughs> I believe you. in you. <laughs> um, why did you decide to move to Denver then? If you're traveling around. Oh, man. Uh, I went to Maine. Mm-hmm. I was in Maine for six months. Then we went to Alabama, mm. right during the... That's pretty far. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, that's what the point was, though, okay. just to travel and to stay in a place for six months to a year, just kind of learn where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Alabama uh, right before, <laughs> during the election, where Donald Trump was elected. Nice. Um, yeah, it was horrible. It was a really bad idea. In Al- Alabama? In Alabama, in the belly of the beast. Wow. Alabama, yeah. <laughs> and I'm Southern. Like, I grew up in North Carolina. I worked mm-hmm. in South Carolina, like... I'm a southern girl, but I had never been to Alabama, and uh, is that was, a different type of South? Yeah, or? yeah, really. It's, yeah, it's um. Like, how would you describe it? Ugh, it's uh, it's a lot more ignorant. It's whatever you're thinking yeah. is what it is. Okay. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's cool people there. Obviously, there's always exceptions like to the rule. Them. Yeah, but right. there's a rule. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I worked in a um, bistro that in Fairhope, Alabama, and Fairhope is sort of like where super rich white people go to retire. Nice. So I worked in a bistro, and I worked there for five or six months, and I saw two black people the uh-huh. whole time I worked there. Wow. The whole time. One was a congresswoman, and one was an exceptionally younger, beautiful woman with a really nasty older white gentleman. 
So I'm not I'm not making any conclusions on that, but you can. <laughs> yeah, I'll jump the gun. Okay, right, I get but it. right down the street, literally right down the street, was the Lions Den, which was an all black club that mm. did comedy and stuff. So like we would go do comedy there, because um, there wasn't a lot. There's a ton of places where we were. Like you could go to Mobile, which yeah. we would do that with the Blind Mule, but. We're there for a while. Um, it's just, it was very, it was like, it, it, it knocked me away, like how segregated it was, not really? on purpose, like just no because, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, like I'm working in this restaurant down the street from this club. Yeah. And it's only white people. Like, it's just, I, the, the race relations there are, are different. It's very fascinating. Yeah. It's Were really the crowds mostly white too? Like, um, it was a mix. I mean, there's a lot of comedians. Like, it's real uh, gritty sure, in sure. Mobile. So it was a lot of, like, oh, man, the blind mule, they could smoke cigarettes in there. And uh-huh. it was, like, walking uh-huh. through fog. Yeah. Like, my, everything would smell like smoke. But after that, like, after doing Alabama, um, we ran camper vans. We got a job with this camper van company, and we would run camper vans from... What they would do is they would just get the van and they would turn it into an RV mm. and we would take the vans and move them to different places. So we went from Austin, Texas to Bozeman, Montana, um, to Las Vegas, nice. to, and then to Denver. There was a warehouse in Denver. Yeah. And um, well, right outside of Denver. And we ran the Denver branch of it. So the first probably year I lived in Colorado, I lived rent free, figured it out because. Really? Yeah, we just work camped and. Did you live in the RV or the mm-hmm. camper van? In the RV. Yeah, we lived in the RV and then we had camper vans to drive around. So. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty sweet for us. Recently, while. my dream is to own a camper van and like and just do that. Yeah, it's. I will say, like the RV we had is big. It's like a thirty-eight foot Winnebago, which is. Wow. It's a monster, you know, and a lot of people think it's cheaper and it's not because you got to pay to park and you got to, if you're buying it, you obviously have to buy it. (laughs) Um, And RVs and camper vans break a lot and you either need to figure out how to fix it or figure out how you're going to pay someone to fix it. (laughs) So I know a lot of workarounds for toilets and (laughs) yeah because i mean and i worked at a um rv service dealership for a while so i learned a lot about how to fix them and parts to order and so you came here like because of work Mm -hmm. and stayed because of the comedy scene yeah pretty much um and i got a pretty good job here so we're selling camper vans no no i work for a 3d movie company oh in boulder that's awesome. Yeah, I can do really shitty office work anywhere. <laughs> what does so, that mean? You work for a three D movie company. Uh, I like... I work for um, if you go see a three D movie, mm-hmm. that's the company I work for. <laughs> like you guys just produce. Yeah, and any make any three D technology that you have watched is us globally. It's a global company. Whoa. So and I do like. Uh, contract negotiations sometimes, um, cash applications accounts receivable management stuff yeah wow. I when I worked for the third-party logistics company I worked there for 10 years okay. and I got a crazy experience and I started as a receptionist and I ended r- running their whole accounts receivable department oh my goodness yeah so and wow I Just, don't I don't even have a college degree so <laughs> oh my God. that's amazing well you got a great work ethic I guess yeah Just, keep applying that. I just learn stuff and I do it right. I'm telling you, if someone tells me how to do something, you're going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it the best. <laughs> and I went 4 months with no sugar. Yes. 
And I decided that that's a terrible way to live your life. <laughs> Don't do that. You know, so I had to reintroduce sugar back into my diet, you know, because I'm a person, right? Um, you know, so I decided, I was like, I'm, I, I'll eat sugar, but only if it's homemade or shaped like a holiday item. Yes. Moderation. And eating this way, I got into a pair of pants I hadn't been able to wear in over a year. Yes. They're not a full day pants. They're like half day pants. They can't take like a whole eight hours of sits and stands, but they got a solid three and a half, you know? And they're corduroys, so they're real loud. They get real warm, you know? How did you get to hosting the Long Tucky Spirits Open Mic? Joe Kimbrell. I don't know if you know her. She's a comic. She runs a Tilt Pinball out of Louisville. That's okay. a show she runs. Um, she was running the mic for a long time. Okay. And then she had some life stuff going on, and she was like, I just can't do it anymore. And they asked her if I would do it, because I would guest hosting every now and then. And yeah. they asked her, and I was running... Uh, I have a showcase at Front Range Brewing Company in Lafayette, and that started as an open mic. Oh. And it was turning into a showcase. So nice. it happened at the exact same time that Joe needed someone to run the open mic. And I was like, cool, this is perfect. <laughs> you know. How long ago was that? Uh, probably about a year and a half or okay. so. So yeah. up until that point, how often were you performing? Um, I was going to Vision Quest every week, okay. uh, and then I would hit a Denver mic at least once or twice a month. Okay. So I, I don't I try not to go a week without hitting a mic. At least at least one a week. Yeah, at okay. least at the very least. Yeah. Like and I usually do like we were talking about before. I usually do Vision Quest uh, before I go host Long yeah. Tucky, so I can get a five minute set in and then I go host. So at least that's two mics a week that I'm sort of obligated to do because they're much. mine. Yeah. Like, I don't have to go to Vision Quest, and sometimes I'm able, I, I skip it sometimes, but not usually, because it, it's kind of yeah. pointless, and so I'm going to be out anyway. I still feel very new to the comedy scene here in Denver. I've been doing mm -hmm. it for a few years, but one of the things that I've noticed um, that I makes me uncomfortable is doing the same jokes at the same mic. Yeah, me too. Do you get that as well? I have a hard time with that, um, but what I've noticed is when you watch other people that do that, yeah. They will still get a laugh because of the inflection that they made or they used a different word or mm. they, I don't know, like it, I've seen comics, especially being an open mic host that will have the same set, but yeah. it'll, it's just a different audience. It's a different vibe. They're getting a different reaction from it. Um. So I can see the benefit of it. Okay. Um, and I think that my improv training, like, makes me go away from that but yeah it's also better to go out there and work on your jokes and get them right for showcases because that's end of the day that's what you're trying to do yeah you know like i always say at open mics like fuck the other comics in the room like you're up there working on your jokes and you're trying to make the people in the room laugh and that's it that's it that's it like okay. there's there's no other there's nothing else you're trying to do like what well, gets in my head that i'm like oh god like jake's mic tomorrow at mm. atomic farm like, I've, I've gone there a lot. I love that mic because Jake is awesome. He's a great host. And I have, like, the same closer every time. And right. I just don't feel right about it. Like, two weeks in, I just hate it. Yeah. And I just want something new. And then it discourages me from going back. 
I have jokes right now. I have a handful of jokes that I will only tell at showcases. I'm not telling them at open mics anymore. Why because, is that? Because I hate them. I'm so over them. Really? <laughs> like, they get laughs, but I've been telling them for a year now. So I'm just like, okay, you know, but you have to think about it. Like if I'm at a showcase in downtown Denver, everyone in that room, nobody knows who I am. That's right. They have no fucking clue. Free for all. Yeah. yeah. They, have, they have no idea. So I'm going to go do these jokes that I know are solid and I know they're going to work. Yeah. But they're not necessarily my favorite. Like I'm not. Okay. I always mix in some new stuff with them just so I'm having a good time up there. They're not your favorite, but you still do them. Why, mm-hmm. why is that? Because they get laughs. You know they get laughs. Because mm-hmm. they work. And I'm only, they're not my favorite because I'm bored with them. Right. It's not because they're bad jokes. They're good jokes. I wrote them. They're great jokes. <laughs> I'm, sure they're <laughs> I'm sure they're the greatest jokes that are ever written. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, I feel like at some point in your comedy career, like that's what that's going to happen. What's the shelf life of a joke for you? Like, until you get sick of it, how many times? Um, I don't think I'm there yet. I've only done this for like, you know, three or four years. I still consider myself kind of a newbie in right. that sense, you know? So I don't really think I'm there yet to the point where I can... There there are jokes that I used to do that I don't do anymore, that straight up just don't work. Uh. And I also, I struggled a lot when I first started with between being funny and saying something. Like... Okay. I wanted to, I had somewhat of an agenda with some of my jokes. Like I was, you know, talking about gun control or I was sure, talking about sure. abortion or I was talking about, you know, and I was like, this is important and I'm going to say it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then probably about a year ago, I was like, drop your shit, Mandy, and just be funny. People don't want to be bummed out. Yeah, you're not going up there to preach, right? Yeah, like people don't want to be sad. Like these people that you're performing for have probably worked all day and mm-hmm. they just want to have a drink. And they just want to have a good time. Like, they don't. And it's probably one of the few times now in society where a room of people are going to sit with each other and laugh at the same stuff and not look at their phone and not think about their bullshit and think about their kids or think about their mortgage or think, you know. I'm getting anxious just listening. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it's like like one of the times, like, where they can just chill out and have fun. And it's like, they don't. I don't want to push my bullshit on them. Yeah. You know? Your Second Amendment speech. Right. Exactly. And as funny as I've gotten it to be, you need to know what room you're in to do jokes like that. Well, I mean, it's the First Amendment that you have the right to say it. That's true. (laughs) This is true. Never thought of it like that, but yeah. Um, Do you ever pick your nose? Constantly. Really? Oh, yeah. All the time. What's your technique? (laughs) What's my technique? (laughs) Yeah. Like, do you go way deep and, like, flick? Like, how do you dispose, um, really? I'm definitely a flicker. I don't Into eat the them abyss. or anything. <laughs> you can say you eat them. We'll yeah, I, eat, I constantly eat my boogers. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I've, I'm a roller. I roll them in my hand. I flick them out the window. Out the window. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do a lot of car picking. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm one of those people that... I've, I was picking my nose in the car the other day, and I was like, I think it would be so fun to people be at the dinner table and be like, oh my God, I saw this girl. She's picking her nose in the car. Like, they're so excited that yeah. they saw it. You know? Really? You want to like, make their day like I'm that? I'm entertaining them. Wow. <laughs> no stage fright. Oh my God. <laughs> no, no. That's always amazing. on. I'm always on. Would you ever do that at, like, on stage? Do you no, think? I don't think I would dig in my nose on stage. And flick it into the floor? No. Like a guitar pick? I don't think they would. Like, again, I'm trying for them to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> trying to gross them out too much oh that's awesome um what are what are the biggest differences between improv and stand-up having had about an equal amount of experience in both now um i think with stand-up you need to be prepared 
You need to go up there. You need to know what jokes you're doing. Yeah. Um, you need to know what you're saying. You need to know where your punchlines are. Right. You need to know um, what your setup is. Um, and you need to have a plan. Like, I like to have at least two jokes in my head. And even if I'm going to, the way I write, like, if I'm going to work on something, like, I still have a few words or a punch or a sentence that I know is funny that I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. With improv, you, I, you can't go up there with anything. You need to go up there with an absolute blank slate. Whoa. Yeah. Like, Why is that? Have you nothing. ever tried going up there with planned things? Uh, because I don't know what you're going to say. So mm-hmm. how am I supposed to plan it? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. with improv, so you get a word from the audience first person goes out there the second person goes out there like you need to establish where you are mm-hmm. who you are like your relationship to each other and what the conflict is once you know that then all you have to do is listen hmm. and react and that's it like there's no you can't plan it you can't yeah you can't go up there and be like i'm gonna do a scene about a banana like you just can't mm do that you have to go up there completely blank and completely open and ready to see where the fuck it goes it seems like you're more vulnerable in improv than stand-up in that regard yeah i mean it if you've got nothing you're really just trusting your instinct at that point yeah but you're also you're yes ending uh-huh you know i mean i'm yes ending you right now like yes and it's working exactly like i once i decided to yes and my life mm. i moved into an rv and i'm sitting here talking to you like wow. which is crazy you know what i mean like it's like the movie yes man a little bit no a little bit yeah. yeah i mean once you decide that though like i feel like everyone should do improv and everyone should live their life like an improviser i was gonna ask you that yeah do you recommend it for stand ups oh yeah absolutely absolutely like anything any stage yeah. anything acting um i recommend acting i recommend playwriting i mm. recommend podcasting yeah um anything where you are entertaining people yeah do Why it not, right yeah any sort of sketch i just started a couple sketch comedy groups because i've never done sketch sketch work before so yeah. i want to do that next um i'm very much i'm one of those people that i'm just like let's try this let's do that let's you know right. i just i don't see the point in not and not doing it. Yeah, we're not all making a million dollars doing this shit, so... I mean, I am, but... <laughs> yeah, it's cool if you're not. I'll give yeah, you Yeah, this some. mansion we're in. It's crazy. <laughs> Look at this light. Oh, my God. We are in a, a study room at the library, so that's probably the echo that you've been hearing for <laughs> half an hour, but... We're um, in the study in this mansion. We are studying. We're studying. I'm studying, anyways. Right. I'm getting info. Um, so, in preparing for stand-up, are you, like, very much a word-by-word prepare or do you kind of go up there with a gist and rhythm in mind um i am and i've been working on this i had a comedian in wilmington north carolina i did an open mic there Mm -hmm. and he was like i love your cadence and i was like that's been rolling around in my head for the past few months um because i have a lot of inflection Mm -hmm. i'll go up and down when i'm talking and i'll think about that um but i don't write word for word i i don't write a lot of my jokes why is i have jokes that I've been doing for years that are not written out at all. Never really? No, I, I write down the punchlines. Okay. I write down maybe five or six words that'll... So how does a joke formulate with you then? Um, it's hard to say, honestly. Like, mm. I just start... I have a joke right now that um, it's basically talking about uh, the 90s and how... I'm kind of annoyed that the 90s are coming back a little bit. You know what you couldn't do in the 90s, 
You couldn't Google the 90s to find out exactly what was cool. You, know. <laughs> you just sort of had to guess. And I guessed wrong. <laughs> A lot. And um, I had another joke where I was talking about um, Alabama ending abortion, like banning yeah. abortion. Right. And um, how, if they're going to ban abortion, I think they should ban Viagra. You know, because I'm like, if medical technology can't help me, then it can't help you either, <laughs> you know? So, and I, I did a whole, um, I used my arm moving it up and down, which is hard for a podcast, but I was like, this starts wars, this, uh, you know, yeah. takes you to a pancake breakfast at the VFW. Like, and I was going back and forth, and I noticed that when I talked about abortion and when I talked about Alabama, people didn't like it, it wasn't working, mm. but if I talked about hating the 90s and stupid shit that happened in the 90s, I could talk about Viagra. Less, <laughs> and, a little less preachy. I right, know. and it got less controversial, and I could, what I'll do a lot is I'll write a joke, I'll write a concept, I'll write a premise, and then I'll okay. go up and do it, and then I'm like, okay, they laughed at this, they didn't laugh at this, so I'll take the part that they didn't laugh at, and I'll keep really? the stuff that they laughed at, and then I'll write around that. Like, what if it doesn't work the first time, but you think it's funny? How I'll do keep you throw, I'll, I'll you, keep doing it. If There's, you think it's funny, yeah, you're keeping it, right? I still have jokes that I do that I think are funny that people will not laugh never, at. Yeah. Yeah, that's half my set. Uh, and I'm going to work on them. Like, and I know that the stuff around it's funny enough for me to keep it. Mm-hmm. If it's just not working, I'll get rid of it. There, yeah. I mean, there are, I have jokes like that, too, where I'm just, like, super sad that I can't do them. But also, like, if I'm in a room full of... I don't know, like a bunch of bikers or something, maybe they'll laugh at it. Or if I'm like, yeah. I'm noticing that too as I'm growing as a comedian, what rooms can take what material. Okay. You know? Like, what do you mean by that? Um, when I did a comedy in Alabama and then I came here, mm-hmm. um, everything I had, I had to scrap. Mm-hmm. All of it. Like, none of my jokes worked here. Were they all local or? No, I had a joke about um, not having health insurance growing up. And, like, in Pensacola, Florida, they laughed like crazy, you know? Sure. And then I did the same exact set being the same exact me in Denver, and everyone was like, they felt bad for me. (laughs) And I did, like, I did it in Boulder, and I thought people were going to give me money. Like, it was really... Wow. Yeah, like, I... I I had a whole shtick too that I'm trying to bring back but no one ever laughs at it but I'm like you know in my high school if you walked around talking about I'm bipolar I got ADHD people would be like where the fuck do you learn them fancy ass doctor words (laughs) are you bragging you got insurance (laughs) but like and people would laugh at it in Florida but they would not laugh at it in Boulder I could not get it to work like I still haven't been able to get it to work there so I don't know. It's just different people, different backgrounds. It's funny there. It's so difficult when you have an idea that doesn't work in stand-up, but it might work in a sketch. Mm -hmm. It might work in a podcast or a conversational setting. Exactly. It's hard to find where the funny is going to come from. Well, and I I do a lot of stuff, too, where, um, like the rule of three in Uh comedy, where I'll just do, I'll have the same joke, but I'll do three different ones every time just to see where I can Mm. find the funniest one and... You know, a lot of my jokes start out like that. I'm really terrible with writing on stage. Like, I would rather go to three or four open mics and just work on premises mm-hmm. than sit in my room and, like, write out a joke. Does that come with a lot of bombing if you're working? Oh, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you just, but you're okay with that? And... Um, 
it depends on what you think a bomb is. Like, if I'm up there working on material and I get a laugh and I'm like, okay, they laughed at that, now now what? You know, now what, how can I work on that? You know what I mean? I always tell new comedians, especially at my open mic, like, it's not you that they're not laughing at. It's the joke. Mm, Rewrite yeah. the joke. Right, because everyone wants you to do well. Right, like, and if you've been funny before and you've gotten up there and had a great set and then you go up there and you don't have a great set, change the jokes. Rewrite the jokes. It's an opportunity. They told you mm. a lot. <laughs> you just learned a lot. Like, yeah, yeah you quote-unquote bombed. Sure. At an open mic in Longmont. Who gives a fuck? Oh like, yeah. just go and do it again and make it better and do it again and do it again. Like, it's not... Yeah. It's not so much bombing as it is like working. Like mm-hmm. if you're a headliner and you're getting paid four grand and you bomb, ah, that sucks. That's awful. But if you're an open micer. <laughs> yeah, you have four minutes. Right. And yeah. it's so low stakes and like who cares? Like yeah. drop your shit. Nobody cares that much about you. I promise. How long did it take you to learn that lesson or get this mindset? I think running an open mic helps. A really? lot. Do you bomb um, a lot at the mic? Or? No, I never bomb at open mics. It's funny because if I'm hosting. Okay. Yeah. If I'm doing an open mic, yeah, I'll bomb all day long. Sure, sure. But hosting, um, I use a lot of my improv skills with hosting. Mm. Um, people have come up to me and been like, oh my God, you're such a good host. How do you come up with all that stuff? I'm like, I take your best joke and I repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stealing from you. <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> Like, if you watch a good open mic host or a good yeah. comedy host, that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's right. Like, it's the top of the thing. It's the the funniest thing you said is that on the top of the audience's mind, I go up there and repeat it and maybe add my little something to it. And they think I'm freaking genius. Like, tease them a little bit about it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's like, what I've noticed, like, Matt Kobos or Jose McCall will do. Yeah. They'll oh, they're awesome thing. hosts. They're, dude, I love them so yeah, much. They're yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. I've also noticed, too that um the best comedians are like nice and good people like they're mm. not assholes like i'm sure there are once you get higher up into sure. the more but a lot of good comedians that are literally just really good on stage are nice people like you think the best comedians are nice i think so i think they want to help you yeah and they want to talk to you and they want to share their knowledge and they want to talk comedy with you right you know like if you're like hey, can you watch this joke I'm working on? Do you have any tags or anything? They'll help you. They'll give you tags, mm. you know? I mean, I've taken my opener right now, uh, Sherrod gave me. Nice. <laughs> yeah, like, and I I appreciate it. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a joke that he could never do, you know? It's about me. It's about my name. So oh, wow. it was very, like, helpful. And I think that if you enjoy this craft and you enjoy it, it shows on stage. It shows right. around you. Like, you're just a gen- genuinely funny, good person. Like, I don't know. Those are the people I look up to. Not the people that are at the open mics that think they're hot shit. (laughs) Like, I don't have time for that. Anthony Bartolo. (laughs) God, Anthony. Such a diva. (laughs) Um, I hope he's not listening to this. He was the very last episode, by the way. I love Anthony. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, Do you rehearse at all? Like, before... Uh, I I record every set. You record every set? And I will listen to my sets. Okay. How do you remember material, or do you take books and notebooks I, I listen to my set. Um, just, or yeah. I, I will bring notes. I'm, I've been fighting in my head about this, actually. This How do what, you feel yeah. about the notes? See, I was going <laughs> to ask you. Like, it's comedy etiquette a little bit to not bring it. Right. It seems more polite. 
I used to bring exactly this notebook, which mm-hmm. is huge, and right. I would just have each bullet point. And then right. I'm like, it's too much. It's hard to set somewhere. So I got a really small guy. Mm-hmm. And it looks like, like when everyone's holding their phone, except I'm not scrolling. They're just bullet points. Like, See, I write a lot on my phone because mm-hmm. I'll say something funny in everyday life, and I'm like, there's something there, and I'll just right. write it down real quick. Um, I'm starting to write more in a notebook. Uh, but what I've been doing for like 20 minute sets or something like that is I'll take a big piece of paper and I'll write them because it's less obvious just to glance down than it is to hold your phone. Yeah, and exactly. Look, you know, exactly. Um, I've also been using um, whenever I have to look at my notes, I'm like a lot of comedians don't have to look at their notes, but I did lots of drugs in my 20s. <laughs> and then I'll just look at it real quick. And while I'm saying that, I'm looking at the notes. So I'm getting a laugh. That's like a four or five second laugh. Yeah, right. Quick. And I can quick look mm-hmm. at it. Um, and then I was, I did a show for Tobias. And okay. uh, he, I think it was him and Luke Gaston. One of them said that how Joan Rivers always had notes. Like she would always go there with note cards. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh. <laughs> like if you think of someone that successful, I mean, but, Dion Cole, like, his thing is, like, he'll say it and, like, mark it off right. if he laughed at it or not. So he's made it very much a part of his set. But how do you feel when you see, like, somebody coming up to a mic, like, one of your mics, mm-hmm. and they have the notebook there? I'm fine with it. You're fine. Oh, I'm, I, if you're working on a joke, you're working on a joke. Right. Like, you're, an open mic is, to me, like, a prison gym. Like, you're, uh-huh. you're working out. That's you're, awesome. You're trying to get your joke right. Like, I, I have no problem with people walking up with notes. My problem is, like, and what I'm struggling with is if you're on a showcase, if you're booked and you're oh, getting yeah, paid, yeah. Right. you should probably not use notes. Yeah. But I do get I get flustered sometimes, so I do have to look at them. So I do have them up there as a crutch. Mm. And sometimes I don't have to look, them at all, look at them at all. But if I go completely blank <laughs> in my mind and I'm up there for 15, 20 minutes, yeah. I'm going to bring my notes just so I can get back. And I think I'm doing a service to the audience, too, because if I'm up there flailing and I don't remember my next joke, yep. you know, and I've, I've done it before, too, where I'm so used to doing, I try to switch up my jokes. Like, I try to switch the order a lot mm. so I don't get too comfortable. Okay. Um, and I'll... This happened a couple weekends ago where I had my whole set, my set list written out and um, I did the jokes in the wrong order. Mm. And then I looked back and I was like, I'm close to being on my closer. What the crap? You know, I had like seven minutes left. And then I oh. looked and I was like, oh, I skipped that whole freaking chunk, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I went back to them. If I wouldn't have had my notes. You would have been screwed. I'd have been done. <laughs> like yeah. the, that last seven minutes would have been just me being terrible trying to think of jokes like what if, i mean that i guess in itself could be a lesson right mm-hmm. to like get better and not use yeah. it but i'm so back and forth with it i i know that i feel better using the notebook versus the phone yeah the I do phone too. is a i mean it's a small pet peeve but it's always just like um as like you see their thumb moving and mm-hmm. it makes me lose it a little bit i agree with that like and i i do agree that if you like I don't know. I saw Zoe Rogers do this one time where she she does it every time where she has them all written out big, mm. so you can just glance down and look. And I've been kind of adopting yeah. that because nice. I respect her. I think she's a great comedian. So what's the thing that teachers use that they like put their thing on and like talk to a class? You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, about? like the overhead projector thing. It's, or it's like like something to set your notebook on, literally, like a oh, podium. Oh yeah, like a podium. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. What about just bringing one? Maybe you could. You want to mm. be a prop comic? Would that make me a prop comic? God damn it. Right. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe. I, I enjoy prop comedy, so that's not a dig. Okay. Carrot Top's the man. 
Okay, all right. Yeah, and uh, Gallagher. Gallagher. I watched a lot of Gallagher growing up. Do you think Bo Burnham is a prop comic? I'm not real big on comics. Like, I haven't, I don't even know who Bo Burnham is. Ah, okay. Well, he yeah. plays piano and does gotcha. jokes. But. I have a handful of comics that are in my brain that I've watched. Okay. And then I'm not very good at watching stand-up comedy. Really? <laughs> I know that's terrible to say, but I'm so mm, bad at it. Fortune Beamster was the last... Netflix special I watched, and I will watch her whenever because I think she's hilarious. Nice, but but you don't watch like a lot of. Why is that? You just don't want to. Um, I when I first started stand up, uh-huh. I locked myself in my RV and <laughs> I worked in the RV, like I worked from home. Okay. And I listened to Pandora female comics. Mm. Like I just listened for hours, mm. and I heard all of my premises and all of my jokes told way way better oh, no. and I was just like because I mean if you think about it there's only like 13 14 premises uh, ever you know I mean yeah. humans are not that special <laughs> like yeah there's like eight different types of people in the world exactly like, like three of them are Indian exactly so, there you go right. <laughs> all three of them <laughs> um but like you'll get um I don't know I, I watched a master class with Ralphie May one mm. time and he was like I don't watch a lot of stand-up because I don't want people to think I'm ripping off of them. Or if they're mm. similar thinking, I don't want them to think that... I took it. Yeah. Yeah. And I rolled with it a little more or, you know, so I don't... I think watching stand-up is important, especially live. Like, yeah, live yeah. all day, I sure. will watch stand-up and I'll watch comedians and I will learn from them and I'll see how they're dealing with the crowd. But, like, watching a stand-up comedy special... It's too polished. It's so think? polished. Yeah, And okay. a lot of the jokes tend to just get... I get bored, man. Like, even mm. with, like, Chappelle's new special, like, it, like I got kind of, like... Damn. Is this his shtick? Have you ever... I don't know if you've ever read um, Steve Martin's book. Which one? Standing Up. Stand, Born Standing yeah. Up. Yeah. He, That's where I got the name of this podcast from, oh, by nice. the way. Because <laughs> oh, he used yeah. to leave those business cards that mm-hmm. said Entertainer Ordinaire. Yeah. I just loved Ordinaire as a word. Yeah. yeah. I like it as a word, too. Well, in, if you've read that book, you know, like, he quit stand-up because it was just, it, it was his own creature. Like, people were yelling at him what bits to do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this isn't fun anymore. Like, Damn. You know? And, yeah. I, and I feel that a lot with those Netflix specials. Like, those are your fans, and they're coming to laugh at you. You could say your ABC's up there, and they're going to fucking laugh. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, I mean, and it's not super technical, you know, like as a comedian who aspires to be a road comic or working comedian someday, I've learned more from watching like Nancy Norton or John Novstad or, Mm. you know, like I learned a lot from watching them instead of sitting at home and watching. One of my biggest regrets was seeing John Novstad like out in the wild Mm -hmm. and not saying anything. And oh, he's it, so nice. Yeah, I know. I don't know what it was. I guess it's just like, I don't know, the allure of it. Like, he's a right. headliner. He's huge in Boulder. He travels all around. I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't want to come up like a some chump. I, like, people like that, especially just, I mean, this is just what I do. If you want a little tip. Please. Pick a joke that you like of theirs and talk to them about it. Nice. Just that, I mean. Yeah. They're going to want to talk to you about that. Ah, uh, that's know? good. Like, and that, that gets the conversation started, and it's not awkward or weird. Cause, right. You know. Because I'm just coming up as, like, a fanboy. No. Yeah, but even if it's, like, if you walk up to them, you're like, you're so funny, I love your, you're so, your jokes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you look like a fanboy. But if you're, like, this specific joke made me laugh, and this is why. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay. That is a good tip. Um, what's the biggest regret in your entire life? 
But I used to wear makeup every day, like a normal person, ladies, you know, normal person. And uh, you know when you wear makeup every day, and you skip one day, there's always that one jackass. It's like, are you sick? I'm like, shut up, this is what my face looks like. You know? But now I don't wear no makeup, so I can put a little bit of mascara on the corner of my eyelash, and everyone's like, Hollywood, you know? I work in Boulder, they're like, oh shit, does she have a job interview? Is she, is she trying, you know? I thought about it though, guys, I've thought about it, getting back up on the horse, seeing what it's like to have eyelashes again, you know? But I always go to this very mature, logical reason why I don't, and that reason is, Men don't have to, and that's not fair, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> Same reason I never shower two consecutive days in a row. <laughs> and I only get my hair cut once a year, you know? <laughs> Ladies, if we want to be equal to men, we just gotta be gross enough and lazy enough to really want it. My entire life? Yeah. What? Um... I regret uh, the two years of college that I did that I'm still paying for. <laughs> I wish I wouldn't have done that. Why not? This You're is still expensive. paying for it. Yeah. yeah what expensive. were you going to school for? Um, to get out of my hometown. Um, <laughs> well done. I mean, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, let me see. How do I guess? One thing I'm really interested in is you have this job. It seems like it's a really good job, your full-time mm -hmm. job. Yeah. How do you balance the comedy that you're doing with that? Does it tire you out? Oh, I'm tired all the time. You're drinking an energy drink right now, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, I'm constantly. I am full. I had someone the other day be like, you shouldn't drink that many monsters in a day. I'm like, How it's not meth. Drink? Like two, maybe one. Hmm. I'm like, it's not meth. I'm not, it's, it's not really, heroin. Yeah. You know, it's, it's better great. than that, right? I wouldn't ride 10 miles on a train for a monster. Exactly. So exactly. 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 Fuck off. Those people can <laughs> fuck off. Well, and it's like, I work eight hours a day and then I'm doing my podcast and then I have two book shows that I book and then the open mic and then I'm trying to get to open mics. Plus I'm starting to get booked on shows now. So right. it's getting to be a lot. Um, Long-term plan. I'd like, I'm saving money now like crazy. Okay. Like, and I'd like to eventually go to like a part-time job and work on comedy more. But yeah, I was thinking like maybe because I've applied for a lot of uh, online positions. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking like if I get one of those that's part-time, I can work part-time for six months and then go back to full-time and then because mm. okay. the work I do, I can do anywhere. Every company needs an AR person. But and you I'm, just are tired and you're okay with being tired all the time. Yeah, it's better than being bored, mm. you know? And I'm not good alone with my thoughts. No? So, no, I'd rather be doing something really? than be sad or weird. And That's I one like, of my happiest, honestly. Really? Just alone with my thoughts. It's so <laughs> weird. I, I love it. I like to put weird deadlines and pressure on myself. I like uh. to have other people, like be accountable to other people like if I'm booked on a show I'm going to be there I'm going to be there 30 minutes early and yeah I'm going to be ready you know nice. like I like that feeling of 
And I also like the feeling of like paying people after they do really good at a show. Yeah. Like, so that's a good motivation for me. Like, yeah, I really enjoy handing like giving people money for, for performing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It feels great. Like, it's great to receive it as well. Yeah. That's one of the. Yeah. It's like it's so crazy. Like I got twenty dollars like two years ago. I was like, <laughs> Holy shit! Did you frame I, it? I, I literally. I swear to God, I still have it. <laughs> I look at it and I like say my prayer to it. Yeah. It's so cool that I got money for that. The, my highest paying gig, I was just like, the crap you're giving yeah. me. Like, I think I got like a hundred dollars or something amazing, for though. a feature. Yeah. And I was like, this is, it's amazing. It's the best feeling in the world. What'd you spend that money on? No, oh, who knows? Monsters. <laughs> yeah. That's probably my savings council. <laughs> um, what made you want to start your own podcast? Um, I... Honestly, it started out the premise. It was a mm. horrible premise. Okay. Horrible. Sure. Um I Carl Peakin, I actually I don't know if you know Carl, but Mm-mm. I saw him do stand up and I thought he was really funny and I was like, I think we should do a podcast together because we were so different. Like he's way younger than me and he's born and raised in Boulder and You just went up to him and we're just we're like, so different. Just pitched this idea, right? Yeah. Away. So I went up to him and I was like, Hey, I have an idea for a podcast. Um, I wanted to bring up, talk about different memes, memes, uh, whatever you call them. Sure. Um, and like, just dissect them. Like, just, because there were a lot of political ones out then, and uh-huh. it was a lot of like, garbage. Okay. So we tried to do that, and there was with one other person who didn't stick. Mm. So we recorded a couple of those that will never make it to the airways. And then Ryan got involved, because he, Ryan was with a podcast uh, that had just broken up. And he was looking to get on another one. Nice. And I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, we had um, lived in this house, and a bunch of comedians had left a bunch of equipment, and we would all kind of write together and like mm. hang out at the house. So I pieced everything together <laughs> to make a podcast because there was a bunch of equipment down there. Um, and we just we started it from there. Like it was us three, and then just riffing and yeah, just being talking comedians. talking about memes. Well, we had segments when we first started. Mm-hmm. It was such a creature. Like it was yeah. such a moving. Well, it's just fun yeah. to be creative like that too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I want. I kind of was. I missed improv a lot, mm-hmm. and the podcast helped with that. Like yeah, it helped get that out of there and. Just yeah. be free flowing and you're like a talking. stage junkie, is what it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> you're like I just needed it. Dude. I got a problem, man. Oh man. <laughs> so it kind of just came from just wanting to be creative. Mm-hmm. You seem like you're a creative type, and like since in high school, like you're taking acting classes, young. Yeah. Well, and I just I everybody had a podcast, and I was like, I want one. Yeah, exactly. I'm very. I get motivated seeing people do awesome things that I feel like I can do too. Like I, a lot mm. of people will get jealous or get hate, you know, right. just like, Oh, they can do it. And I can't. And I'm like, well, if they can do it, I could try. You know? That's, I feel the exact same way. Yeah. But I also feel like, I mean, in 10, 15 years, I feel like comedians, it may be in full of shit, but I feel like comedians will regret not having a podcast. Cause I just you think, think so? it's all going towards the internet. It's all going towards the internet. Everyone, yeah. I, mean, I agree with that. I give four hours of attention to my phone a day. Mm-hmm. Is what it tells me. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse. The things are just getting better. Well, and I, I think a lot of people look at that like, oh, there's so many people in the world. Why would they listen to my stuff? But it's like somebody will say it. Say it differently. There's so many people in the world. Yeah. They're probably going to listen to my stuff. Somebody's going to listen to your stuff. Like, yeah. That's it. And I love honestly like 
the way that it's gone now, interviewing comedians like we're doing now, mm-hmm. I learned so much. That's it. Like, I started it really because it's cool to talk to comedians and, like, network a little bit. But I'm getting so much advice from each different interview that I'm doing. Like, Bartolo, afterwards, we talked for, like, an hour. And mm-hmm. I just, I, yeah, I don't know. It's so helpful. So, it's like, there's fun. tidbits that I'm taking from this, too. And yeah. Well, and I think it makes... Um, like when I'm introed and stuff, like mm-hmm. they'll say Mandy from Three Mandy's podcast, and I'm like, that sounds cool. It sounds kind of cool. Yeah, right? I'm like, it makes feel a little bit good. <laughs> right, like I don't have any real comedian credits just yet. Right. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. And, and it's a commitment. Like a lot of people are like, oh, anybody can have podcasts. I'm like, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But I, like you were saying, I mean, I hold myself accountable. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And, you know, I it's so hard to do it every single week, but I know yeah. that. In 10 years, having done it every single week, it will pay off in one way or another. Absolutely. And I'm not going to do it just to get shitty at it, so. Right. Let's just get better each well, time. And I, I mean, I get to hang out with my friends and yeah. I usually have a glass of bourbon or something. And Like, yeah. I get to talk about my favorite thing in the world, comedy. Mm-hmm. and Yeah. With people that like it as well. And that's what I'm finding. Whatever you're interested in, you'll find that other people are also interested in Yeah. Comedy is amazing. Like, when I found comedy as an adult, I was like, oh, I found my marching band weirdos, you know? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, these are the people that are sad like me. Yeah, yeah. we're sad. I mean, I used to be sad, and I feel like I was telling you before, I'm not sad anymore. Mm-hmm. That makes me sad. That makes you sad that, that you're not sad? makes me sad that I'm too confident. Uh, like, I'm insecure about my confidence. I have yeah. too much. I don't know. I think it might be making me less funny. I feel, I kind of feel that because people have been asking me, like, since I'm going through a divorce or whatever. Sure. And, like, me and my ex husband are fine. We're, we just didn't work, whatever. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. anything crazy happened. You know, like, we didn't cheat on each other. We weren't terrible to each other, you know? Your ex husband was apples. Is that mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. I, it's so weird. I just talked to him the other night. Uh, yeah. He was opening for Shuli. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. I he, to him after he that talks show. on Howard Stern quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm but people have been asking me lately, like, "Are you doing okay?" And I'm like, "I'm actually doing really, really well. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm very happy, yeah. <laughs> and everything's going great. Like, yeah, I don't have a lot of sadness right now. You know, I mean, I can create it, of course, I'm if sure I you want can. to. <laughs> yeah. Are there jokes coming from that? There are. Um, but like I said before, I just try to make people have a good time. And right. the second you start talking about divorce or you know, any yeah. of that. People clench up. You can almost hear their buttholes like, nice. <laughs> like it's an annoying thing. You have great hearing. I listen yeah. to buttholes. I can never <laughs> you hear them. You have to be really quiet. You have to crouch. You a have little to bit bomb too. pretty hard, so it'll be nice and quiet. <laughs> um, have you ever had an idea for an invention? No, I don't think so. No, I ask <laughs> no. this just because I have an idea like every week for an invention. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel like everything's been invented. I have one. Tell me what you think. Okay. Just like one to ten really quick. Yeah, shoot. Um, you know when you're driving and someone's a jerk and you honk mm-hmm. at them? That only works if they're in front of you. But people right. behind you can be jerks as well. Right. So I'd like a horn for the back of the car. The nice. reverse horn that has a different pitch. But it's so that people behind you know that they're okay. the asshole. That's a good idea. The reverse. See? I'm actually working on a joke where uh-huh. I... Um, cut people off and I and instead of like flicking them off or like you know I wave at them like they let me do it <laughs> like thank you <laughs> like I'm an asshole I feel Thanks. like you actually do that though. oh yeah okay that's where it's from yeah you got here so fast yeah that's wild. you live so far I love driving
You know what else happened in the 90s? Bob Dole. And if that's not bad enough, let me finish that sentence. Did a Viagra commercial. Why? He was one of the first politicians to, to speak out against these. And I just, I don't know why. I kind of like them. <laughs> these start wars! These take you to a pancake breakfast at the VFW. <laughs> these pack all you when you're wearing a low-cut shirt. These listen when you talk and respect your opinion. <laughs> original just for visiting. <laughs> They're my favorite. Love them. <laughs> Smells like old spice and genuine hugs. I'll just leave this right here for the next comedian. Um what what's the goal? You talked a little bit about it already, but I guess if you can expand on it, what's the goal in comedy for you at this point? Um, I would just like to make a living mm-hmm. doing comedy. Um, I have somewhat of like a seven-year to ten-year plan, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I know this isn't a fast game. Oh my god, I feel the exact same way. Yeah, yeah. it's not a fast game. Right. Um, my my strategy with comedy is just that I'm never going to go away. Like you're just mm-hmm. going to be like damn it, she's always around, you know? Yeah, that was yeah. my strategy with improv, too, and I made it to the company, and, you know, I'm just always there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, which I think with anything, even with podcasting or whatever, like, as long as you're consistent and you keep doing it, then eventually you're going to get good at it and exactly. you're going you're gonna to be good. Um, but I, I, I would really like to just make a modest living with it, you know? But um, if it paid for your living, you would be happy. Yeah, like, if yeah. I could live the same lifestyle I do now, mm-hmm. you know, and just do comedy, that would be really cool. Or um, I'm also not opposed to, like, writing, comedic writing for a TV show. Um, I did voiceover work for a while, and really? I think that could be fun. Um, I just don't know how to do all of this stuff. I just want to – what I'm doing now is, like, I'm going to be prepared. Mm-hmm. I'm preparing, so if an opportunity presents itself, I'm ready to go, mm-hmm. you know. I'm applying to a lot of um, – comedy festivals and you know yeah. a lot of those people will be like oh it's really industry heavy and there's going to be so much industry there and I'm like I don't even know what that means. if I get into a comedy festival and someone from ABC walks up to me and says hey we want to do a sitcom what do you mm. have and I'm like duh I have my five minutes <laughs> you know like I don't I want to be prepared for that. I want to nice. have that written down. I want to. I, I want to write a sitcom this year. Like that's one of my New Year's resolutions. Is to. Do you have ideas in mind? I'm not oh going to steal. Oh God, I have just... so many. Really? <laughs> I have so many. One of my biggest ideas that like won't go away out of my head is sort of like a a Wonder Years, but for a girl, and but her thoughts are very much like a 30 to 40 year old woman. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, so she's walking around in high school and neighborhood and living her life normally but she's she just is like so far ahead right okay. she's she's smarter and she's yeah. faster and she's quicker and but she doesn't understand why oh, you know that's awesome. like yeah. everyone's like that's you know everyone's buying these shoes or doing this thing and she's like well I'm not gonna do that you know mm. so and just kind of play with like I don't I don't feel like there are a ton of strong female leads 
yeah. and a lot of stuff like that. And I would like to do it from a female's perspective. That's another reason I don't, I don't, I'm not going to quit comedy is because I'll go to an open mic and there'll be 60 people signed up and five women. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to quit just because of that. I'm glad that you're talking about that because that's honestly the next question. Like, um, how do you feel that, like, how does being a female change your comedic point of view? Um, I, all my comedy is from my point of view, Okay. you know, and I want to make everybody laugh. I really do. Honestly, do in my heart. Do you see it differently though as, as a female comic? I, if I make all the women in the audience laugh, if there's, if there's an audience of 30 people and four yeah. of them are women and I made the women laugh the whole time, I, I accomplished my goal. Nice. I could give a fuck about really? the other men in the room. Yeah. Because it's from my perspective okay. and they laughed at it. Yeah. Because that's their perspective, too. Mm. So why am I going to be like, oh, I bombed? You know, because a lot of times women drive me fucking crazy in an audience because they'll just smile at you and point at you and nod and say yes. And I'm like, yeah. laugh with your mouth. Like They you don't. They'll, they'll be like, that's funny. That's yeah. how some women laugh. Yeah, they they'll, just say it. They'll be so on board with me, but they won't be actually laughing. So I'm just like, that yeah. drives me crazy sometimes. But it's, I don't know. I feel like. There's so many good female comics out there, like mm. that aren't famous, that are just in the scene. Sarah Benson's hilarious. Oh my gosh, I think she's crazy. she could do voiceover work as well. Oh yeah, honestly. well yeah, depending Wonder on what character it is. <laughs> yeah, but I just, if you just hear her talk, like, you yeah, mean, like, well, in a and cartoon, she's or? she's super nice and super supportive too, she and is. like a lot of the women in the scene, Michelle Swagger's coming up. She's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie Bowman, I really like. Nancy Norton, I look up to. As just someone who's closer to my age that is doing this, you know? Right. Like, I just feel like when I book my shows, I don't book all male comedians. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, you do that just so you can get females up there. I'm like, no, it's boring for the fucking audience. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't book all white dudes. Like, I... Because it's the same perspective ten times in a row. Exactly. And it's, it's like, why? You know? And a lot of times with open mics... um, you know, people bitch about going on the list and where they're going and whatever. Sure. But the reason that open mic hosts do that is so you don't have five deadpan comics in a row. Oh. You don't have ten comics that all do the same dark, edgy shit in a yeah, row. Like, yeah. you need to balance that energy. Interesting. Like, if there's been, you know, two comics in a row that have been kind of edgy and saying crazy shit, I'm going to get... A female up there that doesn't say crazy edgy shit and like is more normal and yeah. see how she does and then you know maybe I'll put a, a comedian up there that is just silly you know like you got you got to change the energy of the room sometimes and, yeah I guess I never think about it like that yeah and the female energy is just it helps <laughs> like yeah. it almost neutralizes a room sometimes like it, it brings everybody back yeah. like and not to say that every female comedian has the same style because they don't. We're all different. I could book 20 female comedians and we'd all have different perspectives. Have you ever things. done that? Just an all-woman show like that? I have never done an all-any show. Mm, I'm Like an all-black show. Yeah, I'm not like against it, but I'm kind of against it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because it's not, it's, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say it's pandery because it's not. And if someone asks me to do an all female show, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> stage time. Stage time. Yeah. But if if you're booking like a, if people are paying fifteen to twenty dollars a ticket, and I'm gonna book the best comedians, and that's mm-hmm. it. You know, like mm-hmm. whoever they are, I, I'm gonna book people who I think will complement each other and 
I don't know. There's so many different comedic styles, and then to just be yeah. like, it has to be all women, or it has to be all, you know, it's just yeah. a weird... Yeah, that's a weird energy. It's a weird thing to me. I don't yeah. know why. It just, it trips me out that... It's like a clan gathering of some sort. Yeah. And I mean, if oh, I've seen a lot of like, um, you know, all gay or all whatever, which mm. that works too for me, because like if there's a bunch of gay people in the room, they're going to relate to a bunch of gay people. I'd imagine so. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. And if it's a bunch of women, you'll have a bunch of women in the audience that will relate to that, and that works too. But it's just the way I am and who I am. I like to hear all the different... Mm. all the different perspectives in one room. Are you finding that um, you have more difficulties in comedy, in the comedy scene as a woman, or do you see anything like that? Uh, not here. Not here? No, no. I, I think that women in general, I notice this a lot at my open mic, mm. where a guy will come to watch, mm -hmm. and after like three or four comics, he'll sign up. And then he'll go up and he'll either he'll take his whole five minutes or he'll run the light and he'll just he'll just be in it and love it. Mm. And then I'll see a woman who's been there. I've seen her maybe four times. Okay. And I walk up to her and I'm like, hey, do you want to go up? You know, I've seen you here a bunch of times. And nice. she's like, oh my gosh, I've written five minutes. I've done it 12 times in the mirror. And, yep. you know, I'm just checking things out now. But I'll go up maybe next time. And, you know, and she's so nervous. And so, and I'm like, sign up and get up there right now. I was like, nice. do as much time as you want. Any female that comes into my open mic yeah. can go whenever she wants. Like, this if, is the long tucky open yes. mic, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Like, if she is like oh it's my first time whatever hey do you want to go fifth do you want to go sixth do you want to go first do you want to go last wherever you want to go wow. like because they don't have the unearned confidence that a man has yeah. and they don't have the support <laughs> that a man has like a man yeah. can go up there and this at the same time a lot of men their first time they go up they're talking about masturbation or they're talking about the first time they had sex you don't see that a lot with women. Mm. They're going out there talking about real shit from their lives. That's so right. it's going to be, it might not be as funny. It might not be as whatever. And, and I mean, this, this is obviously, um, it's a generalization, right? It makes sense. Exactly. I know what you mean. But like, and like, like I said, like, it's not everyone, but it's right. more common than not. Like, mm. and then once she goes up, she's like, Oh my God, that was great. I'm like, yes, do it again, do it again, do it again. You nice. know, the bartender at long Tucky finally went up for the first time and she's hilarious. No shit. Oh my God. I've been yelling at her to go up. That's amazing. <laughs> and she finally did. And she did so good. It was, what's her name? Lauren. Lauren. Lauren Wetton Camp. Nice. Yes. She did awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the funniest people that I know, I've done a few podcasts with her. Her name is Andrea. Just so easy to joke around with, but nice. so much funnier than like 99% of people that I've ever met. Nice. And I finally got her to do an open mic. Like I was that person you were talking about. Mm -hmm. like, you got to do it. Yeah. And she finally did it. And she hasn't gone up since. But I kind of know what you mean. There's sort of like. It's almost, I hate to say it, and maybe it's ignorant or whatever, but mm -hmm. it's like they need permission a little bit. Yeah, I feel that. And it, it was almost like I gave it to her, but like I was just trying to say, like, you are actually funny. This well, is just where you belong. I think it's also um, representation. Like, mm. they don't see a lot of females up there. So, yeah. you know, I mean, the man's sitting there, and he's seen four dudes go in a row. That would inspire me, though. Like, I don't see a lot of people like me 
up there, which right. inspires me to go up because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm one of a kind. Right. Maybe exactly. this is just the overbearing confidence coming up again. Well, <laughs> the overbearing confidence. I have so much. It's wild. Yeah. Well, but a lot of I always use the term unearned confidence with men because they have that unearned confidence. They have mm-hmm. the confidence to just walk up there and say whatever for whatever reason, you yeah. know. Like some, I've seen some comedians go up there, some newbies, and I'm just like, don't ever say that into a microphone again. Like, <laughs> don't, <laughs> you what, know. Was it like the N word or something? Oh, or? yeah. Oh, I, yeah, it's happened. Well, and I'm the kind of open mic person or open mic host where I'm like, okay, that happened. Let's move on because there's 20 other comedians here that have right. been working let's on their set. On this. Yeah, yeah, like let's move the fuck on. But in the back of my head, I'm like, ugh, you know. Ooh. And I've gotten into a couple, three arguments with people. It's part of your duty as a host, though. Right. Yeah, it's to be expected a little bit. Back it up. Like, I'm not going to... I always open my mic with, you get five minutes, I light you at four, unless you're bumming everybody out, then you got to get the fuck off the stage. And if you want to argue with me about it, you can talk to me after the show. Have you had to pull people off for going too long? Yeah. Like, how does that... What is... I just walk in there and grab the microphone out of their hands. You just take it. Yeah, I had to do that to this one guy. I won't say his name, but... I was, he was like, well, I got the microphone, so what are you going to do? And I was like, that's my microphone and my equipment. (laughs) Like, what are you? There's that unearned or the earned confidence. Yeah. Or I'll like, I'll light them and then I'll light them again. And if they don't, I'll tap my foot on the stage or I'll just come stand next to them and it's super awkward. Nice. That's a good move. Yeah. Like, and... It's funny, though, because my mom was like, well, you, you can't snatch a microphone out of a big dude's hand. I'm like, um, there's 20 other big dudes there that are all on my side. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dude, stop. Yeah, and they're yeah. my friends, and nice. it's my mic, so, yeah, you know, like, and people, I don't think a lot of people really appreciate the fact that someone walked into a building, talked them into letting us do this, open mics fucking suck. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're actually, like, got them to pay yeah. them to do this. They bought their own equipment. They're coming up there every once a week to set up their shit, like, to give you a stage to do your stupid dick jokes. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, right. That's really awesome for someone to do and for someone to shit on that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's disrespectful. Yeah, it's... Ugh, it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. Like, I don't know why anyone thinks they're so entitled that... Well, I, I need another two minutes. Oh, really? Uh, okay, oh, cool. Really do, man. <laughs> yeah, All right. You're so funny. <laughs> um, I have a few more questions. We've been talking for a while, but I'm learning a lot. Um, what to you is the hardest thing about comedy? The hardest thing for me in mm. comedy is the networking, probably. Yeah. Um, I got some advice a little bit ago where if you work with a headliner you should like follow up with them and be like you know if you need an opener I'm Mm. available I really enjoyed working with you you know Mm. um that's really hard for me to like email someone I don't know and yeah you know like maybe they saw me and they were like you're really funny are you shy over text no I'm very good at um I just I get very I don't I don't know what the next step is Uh you know like I haven't been the comedy I can do all the day long and sure. I, I'm, you know, I'm confident in the comedy, but like if someone looks at you and they're like, do you have 30 minutes? My instinct is to say yes. And then I'm like, ah, okay. okay. You know, yeah. like I have a solid 20 right now and I know I can do 20 nice. all day long. I can do 20. But like, if someone's like, we need 25, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then I have to navigate that. Mm. So I think for me, like the, 
I haven't reached out a lot yet. I haven't mm. pushed for that part. And I think that's the next step. You is, reached out to me and you wanted to do the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, that's great, what I'm working on. Yeah. Great first step, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, makes, it made it so much easier for me. Like all I had to do was say, hey, are you still interested? Well, and I'm noticing that too because people are reaching out to me to do shows like that I'm nice. booking. And I'm like, oh, this is so much easier. Than, yeah, yeah. You know, they're reaching out to me and asking me. And I'm like, I need to realize that. that well, that comes with the effort that you put in. That's not like inherent. You have to earn that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and I think that um, the business part of it is where I'm getting into and I'm trying to navigate that and trying to understand what it is. And I'm sure Jose Flores has a lot to yeah. teach though about well, that. And I feel like too, like, I don't know. I, I want to pick a city and just go and okay. meet people and do the open mics and meet, you know. In a different city. Yeah. Because oh. I've done comedy in Alabama and in Maine and in South Carolina and, you know, I did Dead Crow in Wilmington and mm. like I've been in other scenes and like there's, more out there to do <laughs> like ah. the world's so big and yeah, i wanted right. to see all the things and do all the stuff you're not just trying to conquer longmont you're trying to... right okay and i want to like i don't know eventually go everywhere visit all the states and do all the things i booked my first out of town gig next month i'm going to be in uh, scotts bluff nebraska featuring nice. for mike stanley so i'm pretty excited about that how much time uh 20 20 yeah so I'm pretty pumped like to do stuff like that and I want yeah. to do more stuff like that and I want to figure out how to do more stuff like are that are you going to tape that set? Um, I don't know it's very hard when it's a showcase yeah. and you don't want to like come in there with your tripod and maybe you know, just do it I mean maybe yeah. I audio record all of them it's just right. video recording that I don't which I I need to do because I'm yeah. very animated on stage I mean, I put I put my trust in a few just other comedians at one point, and mm. I just handed them my phone. And I'm like, if I was talking to them before, I was like, could you just record this? Like, I'll yeah. record you if you need it. And well, I have a couple sets from so the um, contest at Comedy Works. Mm -hmm. I did the contest, and I got through to the Wild Cry round. Nice. So I got two five minute tapes from that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and those are different awesome. sets. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and well, different beginning jokes. I did the same closer. Okay. Um, but those tapes are so awesome. Like yeah. they look good, yeah. and the audience is laughing. Well, the camera's right there. Like you can see it. Yeah. Like, yeah, and they're they're good looking tapes. Mm -hmm. And I've been researching like when you send a tape to a festival, like. The more professional looking, the better chance you have, you know, if it's not like a shaky cell phone video or something like that, which is all I had before. Right, right. You know, and a lot of people for the comedy competition, that contest were just so focused on the contest, and I was only focused on getting good tapes. No that shit. was it. Yeah. Really? That's the only reason I signed up. That's the only reason I wanted to do it. Wow. It's because you get five minutes, and how often does a nobody get five minutes on comedy work stage? Tapes, right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, that's, right. that's crazy. So if you're focusing on anything other than getting a good tape, Hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know, because I mean, there's like 200 comedians in that yeah, contest. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah, That's they're all wild. really good. <laughs> wow, who won that, by the way? Uh, I think Derek Stroop. Of course. I have him on my next uh, Front Range show. Nice. I'm so excited. That's awesome. I'm so excited to see the audience when he yeah. talks. <laughs> Whoa, you're gonna learn a lot just from watching him. Honestly. Oh, he's great. I've I've featured for him and stuff before. He's so he's so good. Damn. Um, I guess one of my last random questions, um, who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? It sounds really aggressive. <laughs> an I'm asshole. I'm trying to just make it as neutral as possible. Who do I think I am? 
uh, I'm a good person. I'm happy. Uh-huh. I think you're, yeah, you're very happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. a happy person. Um, I think I'm a happy person. <laughs> I try to do right by people. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I'm a comedian. I think you're a comedian too. Yeah. Maybe. I'm getting there. Yeah. One of these be. days. You will be, if not now. <laughs> Um, and I guess the last real question, um, what's the best comedic advice that you've ever heard? Uh, comedic advice that I've ever heard. I think just a lot of times, uh, people have a hard time getting out of their own way. Mm. And I think, um, I think for comics, it, it might be easier to, or it might be hard to get out of your own way because you're always thinking about other comics. But I think the best advice I could give is to just do your jokes and focus on yourself and mm. not the next person that's going on after you or who went before who went before the 20 other people. Oh, I was going to do this joke, but they don't seem to be laughing at this stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And just do your jokes. Just do it. Just do it. Just do your jokes and have fun. Yeah. And everybody will have fun with you. Or they'll hate you. Or they'll kill you after the show <laughs> and burn your body in the parking lot. It could yeah, happen. I mean, one of those two things. I've seen things. it happen in Longmont, actually. Oh, well, it's a very shady area, so. <laughs> um, I always like to end the podcast by just asking a bunch of rapid-fire questions. I've asked you a lot already, but right. this is my favorite thing to do, so just answer to the best of your ability. Okay. First thing that comes to mind. First thing that comes to mind. Got it. What's your favorite color? Yellow. Um, when's the last time you spoke to your father? Uh, Christmas time. Do you believe in ghosts? Yes. Have you ever broken a bone? Yes. What's the last movie you saw in theaters? Oh. Um, what is that? I saw. Um, Avengers, I think. Oh, 2012, or was it the new one? No, it's the new one. They make us watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your biggest fear? Um, not having money mm. to support myself or Very some real. sort of debilitating disease that I can't afford. <laughs> um, I like to throw this one at comedians specifically. It makes me kind of an asshole, but I, I think it's funny. Um, fill in the blank. Say what you want about racism, but... But formed who I am. I'm from the South. <laughs> <laughs> it formed who you are. <laughs> What's something you're never wrong about? Uh, something I'm never wrong about. Um, eating chocolate. Okay. It's <laughs> never wrong about it. No. It's always a good time. <laughs> um, what do you recommend? What do I recommend? Uh, smiling. Beautiful. Answer. <laughs> what would the world be better without? Uh, corporations. Uh, do you work for a corporation? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I was just making sure. Um, what would you like to be reincarnated as? A bird. Any bird with a dove? Pigeon? Any bird that flies good. Not like Not a, a penguin. penguin. Okay. No. Or like a flamingo or something. That would piss me off. Flamingos are nasty. Yeah, maybe like a hummingbird. That could be fun. That would be fun. You could yeah. move really fast. Yeah. Um, what's your pin number? <laughs> Yay. Wait a minute. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll try to answer that and see what happens. Uh, um, last but not least, another fill in the blank. My name is Mandy Kay, and I am a... Hot girl. Nice. Yes. All right. Mandy <laughs> Kay, the hot girl. Thank Yay. you so much for Thank doing you. this. This was, this was awesome. Uh, I appreciate it. And there you 
have it. Uh, that was Mandy K. Mandy, thanks again for sitting down in uh, in a Littleton Library study room for an hour and a half, basically, and just letting me ask you a bunch of questions. I had so much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Um, I don't have too much more to say at the end of this. I guess, again, if you really would like to support the podcast, just follow it on Instagram and tell a friend. You have to tell people. I think that's the best way for these things to grow. You just got to... You gotta keep saying it. Word of mouth is probably the most... Well, it's probably the best ludicrous album, but it's probably the best way that something spreads. So only do it if you actually like it. And if you don't like it, tell me you don't like it. You know, I like I say every time, all questions, comments, queries, concerns are welcome at ComedianOrdinaire at Gmail at dot com there's no app before the dot com but i just it kind of throws my rhythm off to be saying a bunch of ads and then not saying that at the end but um yeah well anyways just another another huge thanks and look out next week we got another interview coming with the host of the mutiny information cafe open mic uh jose mccall um that one was fucking awesome man and that's next week i still gotta go get that one done but I'm going to leave. I'm going to go watch some TikToks because that is what I've been addicted to lately. Um, I just want to leave on this, my screen time. I just want to, like, be public about it. I get this report on how long I use my phone. And pre-TikTok, it was about three and a half hours to four hours a day, which is bad already. I get it, I know, it's a lot, but I FaceTime and I watch the NBA on my phone sometimes, so it's not insane, but I will say post-TikTok, it is six and a half hours, um, and I will keep you updated on that weekly. I'm trying to get it down, it's my thing, it's my resolution this year is to get it down to under two hours, and hopefully by December, an hour. We'll see. That might be fucking hilarious come December and I have to update this little thing. But yeah, it'll just be a weekly update. Anyways, I'm going to leave and go watch some TikToks right now because that is a goal that I'm setting for myself. But I don't have to follow it until December. So I'm out. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much, Mandy. And I will you'll hear from me next week if this is what you do. And if that's if that's your choice, then you'll hear from me. See ya. Two, six, four, eight, three point one four, one five nine. Two six. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your favorite color? Yellow. Or sorry, favorite color person? Mm, super white. Nice. <laughs> nice. Lies. <laughs>